Hello and welcome to That Do It For Ya, a sexual awakenings podcast about why we're like this. I'm Aurelia Grierson, and every episode I interview a guest about the media that made them horny for the first time, and how and if they carry that with them today. This is a sex-positive podcast with swear words and mentions of characters I do not own. So on this episode of That Do It For Ya, my roommate Eric is getting ready to leave for work. And I'm here with Stephanie Nurberg. Hello! Hello, Stephanie! Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be on my weird little podcast. Oh my god, I was like, duh, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! So will you tell the listeners at home who you are and how we know each other? Yeah, um, my name is Stephanie Nurberg. Really, and I know each other... From the internet. Kind of from the internet. <laughs> But we yeah. have, like... But real-life ties. Real-life ties, yeah. but, like, definitely an online... It started <laughs> on the internet. As most good things do. Did it start on Twitter? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Which is depressing now, because I just deleted my Twitter. I know! I was... Well, I noticed, because I was, like... I was, like, tweeting stuff about my play, and I was, like... Stephanie is not liking my tweets. Oh my god, incredible. And I was like, I felt I thought, oh no, did I did I do something? <laughs> but no. then I realized, oh I just I don't think that Twitter is happening for Stephanie yeah, anymore. I deleted my Twitter. I mean, Twitter's always been the one that like I was least into. Jazzed about. Um and then I got into Twitter and then I realized I was Twittering with one sole purpose. Which was? Which was to get someone's attention. Yes. And <laughs> and I I have a hard time with like self control. Huh. Especially with like social media stuff. Uh-huh. So I was like, you know what, I cannot just be chill about this. I have to go cold turkey and like delete it entirely. So yeah. please don't feel offended. It had nothing to do with you. And once I figured out uh. that, that that you weren't like tweeting at all, yeah. I was not offended, but there was a moment in time when I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. I see how it is. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, yeah, we, like, met on the internet, but now we know each other in real life, because mm-hmm. we're both in the same circles. social circles. But you were an alumni of SOU, and mm-hmm. then I showed up later, being old. Yeah, and now we're real-life friends. We're real-life friends! Um, Can I circle back to something you said about Twitter? Yes. Because I have a lot of feelings about Twitter. Oh, let's talk about Twitter. We can talk about Twitter because, I mean, I have, at the end of the podcast, (laughs) I say that my Twitter, I'm hiding from my job, and it's mostly because, I mean, I like to tweet things about, like, my drug use and my vagina. Great. And someday, I, know, I don't want to set it to private because I know that someday someone's going to want to hire me <laughs> because of my jokes about drug use and my vagina. Right. So, but like there's a, a lot of places that won't want to hire me because of that. But I'm yeah. like, I want to keep my options open because that's the job that I want where I get to write about, you know, my drug <laughs> use and my vagina. But I, I totally agree with you that like Twitter is just, I saw a tweet the other day that sums this up pretty well where it's like every tweet is just asking you to acknowledge that they that they exist and that you're valid and I have a tweet in my draft that's coming out keep an eye out for it (laughs) (laughs) that is I didn't get enough attention from my parents when I was a child so congrats Twitter you're my parents now yes (laughs) because I just yeah and I think I would eventually I can see myself deleting Instagram because I don't really I think I think I love Instagram I like Instagram but I also feel like anytime I post on Instagram I also feel a little bit dirty isn't the word Mm. dirty is not the word but it is I feel a little bit like oh like how do I 
how am I coming across? Like, oh, my face? Like, am I pretty? But I've, does it look yeah. like I'm trying to be pretty? Like, who am I trying to, like, get to look at me right now? Totally. Whereas with my Twitter, I feel like I'm workshopping jokes. I'm like, I can write. It feels like a writing exercise as that opposed makes to, sense yeah. to me. But I also super get how, like, a friend of mine just went off Twitter for a while, and what he said was he's like, it felt like I needed to take a break because I was thinking in, like, Twitter format. Like, yeah. I wasn't, like, interacting with people in my world because I was, like, trying to think, oh, how can I, like, turn this feeling, this thought into, like, a, a small quip for to- the Twitter Yes, writer. that is a lot of what I was doing, too, where I would have these thoughts and be like, oh, that'd be funny on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I would, like, post it on Twitter and, like, you know. Get that, no, that, get no that one... sweet, sweet dopamine. Yeah, which, like... I kind of feel the way across the board mm. about like all Socials. the social media that I use because I use Instagram, I used to use Twitter, and I use Facebook. Do you use Facebook? I use Facebook. I use Facebook in that like I don't feel super social on it, and mm. actually, Facebook Messenger is my nightmare. Like, don't, <laughs> don't ever talk to me on Facebook Messenger. Good to know um, because I hate it, and I just quit this job a few months ago where like the like older man authority figure at my job would like message me late at night on Facebook Messenger and then try to make me feel bad that I like didn't respond to him. Ooh, yeah. Um yeah, so Facebook Messenger is a nightmare. Facebook I use for like, hey I'm doing this thing, please come and see it. Um I'm a big fan of the Facebook event feature. I love Instagram. I love Instagram. Because I feel pretty unabashed about the fact of, like, here's a picture of how cute I am. Love it. Love because it. I don't, like, I don't feel cute a lot. Aw. Which um, is bullshit in a lot of ways. Right, I was going to be like, you're cute. Like, But it's also, like, I think I think most people don't feel cute most of the time. I think we're told that we aren't cute so that we buy things. Yes, yeah. which, like, God, that works on me. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love to buy things. I <laughs> love to buy things. And so Instagram, I feel very, like... I have a pretty small, like, community on Instagram. Like, I think I only follow, like, 400 people. And mm, a lot of the people I follow are, like, people that I know in real life. I block a lot of people on Instagram if, like, I don't know them or don't want to see them or whatever. So on Instagram, I feel very, like, I'm cute and, like, everyone should fucking know it. (laughs) I love Which is, I think, a huge part of the reason why I wouldn't want to get rid of Instagram. But I was talking to John Allen about this. Um, Who was our guest on our first episode, Still Not Ogre You. I I was talking to him about this, about how I kind of want to change the way that I appear on social media Hmm. in that I want people to miss me. Okay. And this is, like, not just on social media, but, like, in my life in general. Yeah. Having recently moved away from a place where I was living, and I'm in this transitionary period right now, also got out of a relationship a couple months ago which is part of the reason why I got off of Twitter because I was like just trying to get that person's attention oh so they would talk yeah no it's again. hard when you're like trying to get and I feel that way about Instagram yeah and and even on Instagram it's a little bit of that too I'm yeah. like remember how cute I am yeah, look like, at how cute I am yeah. look at my story you're looking Aren't at you, my story are you sad that we're not together you're anymore thinking about me even though like story. I literally have no desire to be back together with that person but I do kind of want to punish them a little bit oh, for, fuck. Like, for, for ignoring me no of course of course um, <laughs> but, but that goes back to like my thought about social media in general is that like 
I go back and forth between wanting everyone to know what I'm doing all the time mm-hmm. and to I want everyone to be obsessed with me and to think like wow Stephanie's so cool and she's doing all this cool stuff and she's so cute and she's great and smart blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I also want people to also be obsessed with me but in the fact where they're like where is she we haven't heard from her in so long like what's she doing is she dead she's a mystery and enigma so I <laughs> I think it's dumb that I think about that so much. I think it's normal that we all think about that. I think yeah. it's I think it's just sort of a side effect of the product. Right. I'm, like, listen, I'm not trying to preach about social media at all. I love social media. Yeah, I, me too. I love I it. I need to examine my relationship with it, but I'm not here to like give anyone shit about the way that they use their medias. I just you said something interesting about Twitter and I want yeah. to go back to it because I'm I love Twitter. I also realized that cuz I've been living at home with my parents for the past Ooh, 8 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I realized that like my mother would be talking to me and I would be on Twitter. Mhm. Not really like fully engaging with her. Yeah. Twitter is the big one. It definitely still happens with the other platforms that I use. So I'm trying to be nicer to my mom in, in deleting my in deleting my That's Twitter nice. in a lot of ways because she's all sometimes she's like, why did you post that? Someone oh she see sees it. it. Yeah, she follows me on oh. all my socials. And here leaves Eric. It's okay. I'm gonna edit this part yeah, out. I still I still have ten more minutes. <laughs> Eric will be on the podcast soon, and he'll definitely be a frequent popping in and out person. <laughs> so. It's me. It's, it's the weird roommate. The magical roommate. <laughs> I also love Eric as like a sort of um, like home improvement type, who's just kind of always in the background and oh sure, I'll be on the show one day. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have you on the show. You're the most convenient person for me to have on the show. (laughs) All right, so Stephanie, yes, let's let's focus up here. Let's focus up. Let's talk about the things that did it for you. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because I have a couple that I think. Sure. But I'm not 100% certain. I mean, because when you were talking, when you were telling me the premise yes. of the pod. Yes. The premise of the pod. You're kind of saying, you threw around the word like sexual awakening. Yeah. And I've been making this joke to you and to <laughs> other people too, is that like, I'm not really sure if I've had my sexual awakening yet, which like, That's... it's like, it's like 60% a joke and 40% like, I laughed true. when you first said it to yeah. me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, at least it's, it is funny. Cool. Good. But I think, like, I am not a hugely sexual person. That's okay. Sex doesn't really interest me. And, like, sexuality doesn't really interest me either. Okay. Um, I don't know. Some people are super into that, and I'm just, me. like... Yeah, and I could kind of, like, care. I don't think about it a lot. Interesting. Mostly because, like, it's just... I don't know. It's always been kind of annoying to me. And, like, as a super late bloomer in my life like I always kind of felt like growing up like I was like way behind everyone else like with my sexuality my sexual awakening or whatever and so I always kind of felt like am I like is this going okay like I remember like I saw a therapist um like junior year at SOU it's like right after I had broken up with this guy that I was dating who was like the living worst. Oh, no. Um, I mean, he's like a, just like a whatever sort of person, but um, now, like in classic fashion, I look back at that relationship and I'm like, oh, uh, how did I, why did I do that? Like, why did I date this person? Um, you told me about this guy. I think I did, yeah. You don't have to get into it on the pod, but you're no. also welcome to get into it on it's, the pod? It's boring to talk about on the pod, but but I remember that when when I broke up with him, because I've never been broken up with, I've, I've only ever done the dumb Oh, thing. you're the dumper. Yeah, bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is cool and not cool, but when I broke up with him, it was because like he could 
clearly wanted X, Y, and Z physical things from the relationship sure. that I had no interest in at all. And, and it was this sort of thing where I was like, hey, I don't do these things. And they all say, cool, awesome, yeah, totally, awesome, great. And then as but time goes on. they all say it first. Yeah, they all say it. And then as time goes on, it's clearly not okay. And so we broke up and I was like, you want stuff and you should like go find someone who wants that to do that with you that's fair because i don't um for like a myriad of reasons and i just was but but i was devastated mm-hmm. um by like the end of this relationship and i went to talk to a therapist and i was like i don't feel like i am normal oh, you know no. and she was like i think you're just a late bloomer i think i, th- I, well, I want to challenge something yeah i think that it is normal to not be interested in sex I think that's more normal than I than we realize, I and think I think so there, too. there's starting to be like awareness of it. And I just I want to challenge this idea that you're not normal, and I also want to challenge you to that you're a late bloomer. I think I mean that could be very true, and like I'm not trying to like discount uh-huh. anything of your experience or like how you're feeling or how you like identify or label. I'm not really interested in like making you delve into that. I don't know. I just for anyone listening who might feel similarly, it's <laughs> not abnormal. Like it, yeah. it's valid, and like it's totally fine. And I hate being like oh. The media. The media. The movies and the... Like, <laughs> like they're so hypersexualized. But I think, like, there's a lot of sex and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I think, like, when you're constantly looking at all these, like, b- beautiful people fucking each other. And you're all like, I don't want to do that. It looks scary. <laughs> um, and I know I'm going to get my feelings hurt. I just re- Yeah, I just remember not having any interest in it at all. But... The thing that has always been big for me is, like, romantic Mm. attraction. Yeah. I've always wanted to be in love. Mm -hmm. That's, like, a pretty big goal for Mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. The jury's out on whether or not I have been in love or not. Ooh. Um, I always joke that I've never had a boyfriend. I've never had a partner. I've been in... I've dated people, but I've never, like, had a relationship. Sure. It's, like, a a long term. The longest I've ever dated one is, like, two months. Oh, okay. Yeah, Um, yeah, I don't consider... I really don't consider myself having long-term relationships either but my longest relationship was consecutively nine months but then I dated Mm. someone on and off for like a year but I don't consider myself to be like a long relationship person yeah I also think like we are all in our mid to early 20s in this room I'm 40 shut the fuck up Eric but I also feel like when you we are relatively young people it's really hard to, like, be in a long term. Like, what does that even mean? Right. And it's not, it's like, it's super. And it's not something that, like, I, I, it's something that I know that I want in my life. Yes. And it's something that I know that, like, I need to still take steps to work on myself in order to achieve. And I don't, I also don't think I've maybe met the, the person that oh. I'm supposed to, like, do that with A and for. 100% no, I have not. <laughs> Because I feel so, I want it so bad. Uh-huh. I want it so bad that if I had met the person, it would be happening. Right. You know? Right. But it's not happening, so. That's okay. I haven't met them. That's at least how I'm justifying it. Right. Um, <laughs> but I've always wanted to, like, be in love. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about, like, the attraction in my life is that I'm attracted to these people because I think that I can be in love with them, mm, you know? Yeah. And for the sake of this podcast, yes. when I think about, like, things that did it for me Yeah, and, like, that can younger, be, that's, like, such a wide definition. Right. Like, I want to make it clear, like, is it making you horny in your heart? Is it yeah. making you horny in your pants? 
like, mm. is it making you horny elsewhere? It's yeah. the definition is wide and vast, and I'm open to all interpretations. I mean, we were talking about like animated things that did it for us. Sure. And I think every little kid has that. Okay, so what is it? Okay, so I think like the first thing that really did it for me was in the movie The Aristocats. Oh boy. Um, I think I know what this is. It was the, like, the dad cat. Thomas O'Malley. Thomas O'Malley, O'Malley yeah. the alley cat. And he, I just remember, like, his song. When he, Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley the alley cat. But that, and, like, I just remember being like, who is that? <laughs> Which, like, I don't, not a bit, I'm not an animal person. Well, I... I have to make this disclaimer every time I record an episode, which mm-hmm. is this is not, no kink shaming to anybody, but yeah, this isn't yeah. like a furry thing. <clears throat> right. This is something else. As a, I mean, they're anthropomorphic animals. They're like, anthrop- all intents and They have purposes. eyebrows and they they're speak people. and they're yeah. people. Um, <laughs> have eyebrows, okay? Yeah. And I just remember like that movie, I loved that character. Like I still love that character. It's a great character. Great character. But also, like, the archetype of that character mm-hmm. is, like, handsome drifter. Hans- yeah. Who's, like... He's, like, a rogue bad boy. Yeah. Sexy highwayman type. Sexy highwayman. Or, or what do you, what do you, what do you call he's like, that? He's, like, a vagrant. I, it's yeah. Hard to explain. He's, he is, like, in so many ways, a very archetypical bad boy. Yeah. Um, he's, like, the mysterious... Drifter man mm-hmm. that comes into town. Yeah, no and, attachments. Like, romances the like beautiful lady. Right, you and know? it's interesting because when you said this, I started thinking about it because you told me like when I asked you to come on the pod <laughs> that you were going to talk about the Aristocats. Yeah, and I started thinking about like, oh yeah, you know what? Like, I think that did it for me too. And I think now I carry that with me in that I and I think a lot of people who are attracted to men do this. Uh huh. Um, where it's like this is the thing about bad boys is that like he yes. like with his relationship with Duchess like he grows and changes and develops this attachment yes. by the end they're like sitting on that romantic rooftop and he's like the kids need a father around and like that that scene where like their tails oh like, that was like hands. the height of romance I know it was the height <laughs> little, of romance my little heart couldn't handle it and then all the little the kittens were just like watching and little Marie was so Ugh. into it yeah. little Marie it I mean. Thomas O'Malley did it for Little Marie, oh, too. Oh, big time. Can you be, imagine being in love with your stepdad? Um, <laughs> but that character, I mean, that character of, like, the mysterious mm-hmm, drifter, mm-hmm. sexy man who comes through town and, like, sweeps the beautiful lady off her feet mm-hmm. and ends up, like, changing at the end of it. But even, like, for me, they don't necessarily have to change. Like, the heartbreak of, like, him not changing was uh, also very... You love the drama of yearning? I love the drama of yearning. I'm mm, super yes. into it. And I love that character. I've always loved that character. I've written that character. Ooh, I love that character. Yeah, Stephanie is a playwright, poet. Yes. Do you write other things? Mostly those things? Mostly those things. I try, but I give up on When have things. you written Thomas O'Malley? Um, so in my, I call it my Gold Rush play, which is a two-act play. It's called Oh My Darling, and it's based on the song Oh My Darling Clementine, Mm -hmm. and there is, like, a sexy drifter character. 
I always, I, as a joke, I always call him my, like, sexy feminist cowboy character, <laughs> which is my dream guy. Of course, it's my dream guy. Feminist and, cowboy. And it, I think it started with Thomas O'Malley, who is a cat and not a cowboy, but, but like, I love that. I, that's why I like the cowboy archetype so much, which is problematic in so many ways, sure. but, but I love the, like, sexy I'm gonna blow through town on my horse, and I'm gonna be chiseled and rugged, and I'm gonna be gruff, and maybe I'll be mean mean to you a little bit, but I'm, I will change by the end of it, and I'll be very gentle and gallant. Sure. Do you wonder also if maybe it's, like, the impermanence of the thing? Oh. Like, so, because you can have this, like, intense, like, affair with all the love, and all, like, it's all, like, they are very present at the beginning, but then you don't have the discomfort of having to be known afterwards. Yes. Which is hysterical because in my in my real life, I am not a casual relationship haver. No, I feel like when you, like, you don't just, like date you engage yes which like i have recently tried to be casual oh that sucks though and it sucks i'm not a casual dater either so so. hard yeah and i always start off being like i'm too cool for this like i don't (laughs) even care and then by the next week i'm like oh my god i don't know (laughs) but also we can get into that later but but yeah the impermanence of it and just it's very romantic with like a capital r yeah it's why I love, like, knights in shining armor and stuff. Mm. But I think if we had to compare, like, the knight in shining armor versus, like, the cowboy. Yeah. I'm way more into the cowboy Yeah, no. Type. There's, yeah. Um, there's a lawlessness. It's the well, bad right, boy. The well, knight isn't yes, necessarily a bad boy. Exactly. Exactly. The knight is something else. How would we classify the knight? Well, they're very, like, lawful. That's like a good boy. Yeah. So, I mean, that really did it for me because he, like, had this cool life of like not giving a shit about anyone mm-hmm. and then he met the person that made him give a shit right. and, and I you're think, like, like that could be me well and i think in a lot of ways we all want to be that we person all do to make the person we love start giving a shit yes and yeah. my therapist says that i do this because it'll heal the wound of the love i wasn't given as a child <laughs> if i can make this unavailable person love me yeah unfortunately it doesn't work that way but oh it's but I feel like right. stuff like watching Thomas O'Malley like go through this change like I think super influenced me yeah. that it could. It, it's funny because I, I see that pattern in my own life too of like oh this person I want to make them change their ways for me. Mm-hmm. Um cuz then it'll prove that you are special exactly, in some way. Exactly. Yeah. Which like I my brain rejects that but my body like is like Oh, yeah, your body's about... I want to be special. Please. (laughs) Please, I feel so normal. Make me special. Right, and it... But but then countered also with the fact that, like, this is not, like, a humble flex or anything. Oh, please. Don't, like, just flex outright. But, like, I've also... I've had a lot of people who like me way more than I like them. Which caused me a lot of pain hmm. in my life. Like, okay. you would think that I would be like, oh, who fucking cares? But as someone who, like, wanted to feel that way about someone else and was literally, I felt incapable. Like, these people who liked me so much, that repulsed me. But at the same time, I wanted to like them back that much and I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but kind of balancing those two things of, like, wanting to convince someone to love me because... It means that I win, and it means that I'm special, and it means that, like, I'm important. And also, it means that I can, like, get who I want. Yeah. Someone who grew up with, like, a lot of body issues, which so many people have, but I just remember, like, in high school, I didn't date anyone in high school until the very end of high school. Mm -hmm. And all my friends, all my girlfriends dated people. 
And I just remember thinking, like, nobody likes me because I'm, like, not cute and I'm nerdy. And, like, I literally had a friend of mine, our senior year of high school, he wrote, like, poems for everyone in his group of friends. And, like, the first line in my poem was that I wasn't particularly eye candy. Wow! But, but, he, but that he found me fascinating. And I was like, this is oh, bullshit. no, that's like, traumatizing. Is, yeah. And so and so I was traumatized by the fact that, like, boys didn't like me oh. growing up, you know, which I don't really know if that was true. But because I thought that, I put on this personality of, like, I don't even fucking care. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't have time for this. I'm, like, too busy and I'm too cool and I'm too smart. Um <laughs> So it's like balancing those two things, but I, and I think I think we all want at some point to be the person who who makes someone else be a better person. Absolutely, yeah. And I and it's yeah. such like a selfish feeling. Is it? I think it is. I think. I mean, yeah. I think there's things that are selfish. I think it about can it. be. Yes. I think it. Can I think be. you're right. Hold on, I'm gonna backtrack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something that really did it for me when I was a little bit older was. Uh, the last time Oregon Shakespeare Festival did Taming of the Shrew. Mm. Something. Like the Rockabilly one? Yeah. Yeah. So I really loved that adaptation because I think Taming is like an inherently problematic play. Yeah. I saw that show and I thought it was, I think I probably saw it like four times. I saw it a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like, a this is a take on the play that I didn't know was like even in there. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very good rendition of it. And essentially, like, what happened with those two characters that I, like, have super internalized is that, like, they both, like, are very, like, rough and difficult to be with in their own ways. And then through compromising with each other, Mm. they became people who could be with each other. Yeah. And I always thought that that was something that was achievable. I'm beginning to believe that less and less. I agree. Well, I think that that's true. And I think we, I mean, speaking of someone who's never been in a long-term relationship, so I don't really fucking know. The problematic thing with, like, the bad boy that I'm going to change is that I don't change. Yeah. I'm the one doing the changing. Yeah. But the bad boy character is, is, is bad. (sighs) And, Mm. and, and there's very little that's redeeming about him. Right. And it's usually a bad boy character and this sort of, like, immaculate, like, virgin yes. archetype. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, which I totally bought into when I was younger. Sure. That, like, virgin archetype. Oh. Which is so boring. I read, um, have you read Vagina by Naomi Wolf? No. I highly recommend it. Okay. It's, it's like, a look at the link between the vagina and creativity mm. and, like, a bunch of other things. There's, like, a lot of science in it. It's one of my favorite books and it's, I don't really read a lot of nonfiction, but this is a very good nonfiction. Okay. And something that Naomi Wolf talks about is, like, the bad boy. Uh-huh. And, like, why do they... Why does the bad boy make our vagina pulse? Yeah. Um, and she said it's not even so much about his freedom and wildness. is about our desire to be wild and free. Yes, yes, 100%. And, like... To tie it all back to Aristocats, Duchess living this very... And it, I, I think this that narrative of the Aristocats, like, does super play into the, what you were talking about before with, like, the, pure, the the crystal white virgin and the bad boy. Yeah. Her, like, coming out into the world and experiencing all these things is, like, her liberation as well. Yeah, totally. And I think... I mean, the way Naomi Wolf phrases it is obviously better, but I, I do... I, I think there's something potentially dangerous in that, but there's also something very true, and I wish that we didn't feel like we needed a bad boy to claim our own liberation yes yes i just read this i just finished reading this book and it's called the word for woman is wilderness Mm. 
It's a good title. It's a super good title, and I wasn't thrilled by the book. Oh. But she, but it's narrated by this like nineteen year old character Aww. who loves like Bear Grylls and the Alaskan wilderness and all this philosophy about wildness and freedom Mm -hmm. and half of the book is that philosophy which is really interesting that like wildness and freedom is in the past has been so inherently male centric Mm -hmm. and it's a gift not even a gift it's like a male birthright to be wild and free and to go out into the wilderness and and surviving is only for men and she goes on this trip she leaves London to go to Alaska to live in the wilderness for a little bit to prove that, like, wilderness is just as much for women as it is for men. And she talks about a lot about, like, female anger, mm. which is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, too, and how, if anything, wildness is more inherently female mm-hmm. than male, mm-hmm. um, if it belongs to any gender at right. all. Right. I, I think nature is is feminine. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a feminine thing. Yeah. And I think wildness is absolutely feminine. Yeah, yeah. I think our, I mean not to get too like heavy-handed, <laughs> not to be like we live in a society. Yeah. But what is natural and wild is feminine and because, you know, patriarchy is threatened by that, it has mm-hmm. tried to like take it from us and yeah. you know squelch it. Yeah. So I think like in my obsession with like the cowboy archetype Mm -hmm. it's also like a obsession with lawlessness and Mm -hmm. wilderness Mm -hmm. and kind of doing whatever you want Mm -hmm. in the meantime like i was also super into almanzo wilder from the little house on the prairie books oh my god who like which like i didn't i'm gonna have you come back and talk exclusively about little house on the prairie (laughs) um which is a character from literature that i didn't really think about until a couple years ago as being like (laughs) my dream guy you know he's quiet and he loves horses and he like lives on the prairie like that's my man that's your guy that's your guy and there's you know there's some differences between him and thomas o'malley yes but there's also some similarities yeah the wildness yeah and yeah i don't know i just i love him Um, (laughs) i love him (laughs) a couple months ago john allen and i went to buncombe oregon yes which um, is a ghost town out by Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And in doing some research about Buncombe after the fact, I learned that there's like this myth of the Buncombe bandit. Oh no. And he is this like unidentified man who would ride into Buncombe, grab a random woman that he saw on the street, kiss her on the mouth, and then ride away. Is that your dream? And that's like kind of my dream. It's like a mysterious Dread Pirate Roberts type who rushes into town, kisses me on the mouth, and then I never have to talk to him ever again. So cool, right? That sounds fantastic. But I also like I know that if it happened, I would want to talk to him talk again. To him again. I know. In the theory, I'm like I can be cool and chill and not yeah. want to talk, but I always want to talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. Thomas O'Malley was a big one for me. He also had a great singing voice. He did. Who was that voice actor? I don't know. I know um, Zsa Zsa Gabor plays Duchess. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I Wait. can't remember who plays Thomas O'Malley. If I, if I mess up this recording by looking this up. Here, I'll look it up. Okay, you, cool. You, you leave, Yeah, I'm going to keep recording. You leave the recording. I'll alone. leave the recording device alone. Uh, something, we should start wrapping up, but something I did want to ask oh. you about. Yeah. Was, um, you told me there was a fanfic 
Oh. Yes. Okay. So that's, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That, I think, was me trying to, like, have my sexual awakening. <laughs> trying so desperately. In the way that, the way that many people did. Um, <laughs> Carlos and Entrejillo is going to come on and talk about the last Airbender fanfic that Oh, my God. Wrote. I got to read that's that. That's in an episode coming up. That's when, when I eventually set up a Patreon. Um, that's going to be, like, oh. a bonus episode okay. for patrons where he, he reads the fanfic aloud. Awesome. Oh. And if you ever find your fic, you are welcome to come on and read it aloud. Okay, it's not Jaja Gabor, it's, it's Eva Gabor. Oh, okay. It's like the same thing. Yes. And then Phil Harris plays Thomas O'Malley. He's who... like a voice in a lot of other... He's blue, yeah. right? Is he? I don't I know. Thought... We can look it up later. Well, either way, super not into blue, very into Thomas yes. O'Malley. Yes. But the fanfic thing... I think this happened to a lot of people. When Pirates of the Caribbean came out... <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And, like, I was in the sixth grade at the time, and I was super into Johnny Depp. Ooh. As problematic now. But so, and I, I hate him now. I will not go see right, a Johnny right. Depp movie. No, no, no. Which is too bad, because Pirates of the Caribbean and Curse of the Black Pearl is, is actually, a like, fantastic a really film. Good movie. It's a fantastic movie. And I became obsessed with pirates. And it's that same sort of, like, lawless sexiness and, like, the danger of... They might hurt me, but maybe they won't, sort of thing, you know, which yes. um, is a whole other thing in and of itself. Um, <laughs> but as a budding young writer, sure, I wrote, I wouldn't call it fan fiction, it was necessarily, th- but it, it was like my own story about some pirates. Uh-huh. And I still do this to this day, but there's always a character in everything that I write that like is me. Yeah, you know? a lot of writers do that. And so I wrote so many different ones, but but the this specific one that we're talking about it it was based on um, Anne Bonny and Mary Read, who yes. were lady pirates who disguised themselves and then they fell in love with each other, mm-hmm. um, but also fell in love with Captain Jack Rackham, mm-hmm. who was a piece of shit. Yeah, like the history books do not look on him kindly. Um, really quick side flag. Yes. Um, my friend Darwin Garrett wrote a play about Anne Bonny oh, called The Legend of Bonny Ann. Cool. And it was great. It was they did it as like a side project just at the school and it was awesome. So go Darwin Garrett, plug for Darwin Garrett, continue your story. That's incredible. But I wrote this story and it was so long. Like I was probably eleven at the time that I was writing it and doing the research that I did. Like pirates are sexy people. Like yeah. they have a lot of sex. It's just like what they do. Yes. And so I was like, okay, well, there has to be sex in it, like, when I write it. And me, knowing nothing about sex, (laughs) like, growing up in a pretty conservative Christian home where we learned that sex was evil and sex was bad, Mm -hmm. it was kind of crazy that I was writing any sex at all. Like, and I wrote, like, some sex scenes, which, like... God, I wish I could get my hands on I them. was going to say, um, Stephanie, I want to read them so badly. But they were so steeped in romance, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. that there's some sex scenes that you read that's like, and then he put his penis in her vagina. Yeah, very what, very technical, very yeah, medical. super technical, which this was not that at all. It was like they were holding each other and oh. And um, knowing nothing about sex and how sex works and how to have it is, like, a really cool way to write a sex scene, I think. Totally. Um, Because I remember, like, even in high school, I didn't know what the phrase knocked up meant. Oh, Stephanie. I thought it just meant, like, having sex with someone. Uh Uh-huh. So remember in my sophomore year English class, I was talking to my friend Jasmine, who is, like, super cool, really mature, and I made a comment to her, like, about some people that we knew. There's like, a rumor going around that they had had sex. And I was like, oh, yeah, like... 
she knocked him up and, and Jasmine started like cracking up and I was like what's funny about that she's like that's not what that means like a woman can't get a man pregnant like um, a vagina can't impregnate a penis and I it, it just kind of blew my mind wide open but my pirate fiction was definitely my way of like I'm gonna be sexy yeah and I love that and I wish I had it with me so I could read it too because we would get I'm so I want to read it so badly but I also <laughs> want like want to like validate young Stephanie and say that like I think that one's own imagination one's own like creativity is a really safe and healthy place to explore the things yeah. that do it for you yeah yeah so yeah. I like applaud the thank the you, sexy pirate thing I do want to, wait I want you to tell our listeners what you did with it eventually where you destroyed it because of your own shame. Oh, yes, yes. So <laughs> growing up, I had an older cousin. I still have this older cousin. She's alive still. Um, <laughs> she was she was alive then, too. Yeah, and, and she was that sort of older cousin who was way too cool for stuff, and I worshipped her. Of course. Remember for one year, she burned me a CD with all her favorite music on it, mm-hmm. and it had Neutral Milk Hotel on it, and I was like, this is... That was everything to you? The coolest. This yeah. yeah. And she was also a writer... She would do stuff, and then I'd be like, that is cool. I want to do, I, I'll do it, too. So she was a writer. It's all I, her fault. <laughs> yeah. I love writing, too. And I remember her telling me at some point, destroy, like, get rid of everything you have ever written, like, before the age of 16 or something. Oh, no. And I... You did, did. that. Aww. I did. It's like burning the library of Alexandria. Yeah, seriously. And I think about, I used to like write songs. Aww. And I had all this weird sexy fiction <laughs> stuff that I was writing. My pirate fiction, my like dystopian end of the world Aww. stuff that I loved writing. And and then I did. I like, I, I deleted it all. And looking at, like at the time I was like, yeah, she's right. Just like get rid of it. And now... Not that I would do anything with it, but no, just so like, you get a good the laugh last of, it. of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. Recently, I found a bunch of poems I wrote in third grade. Oh, and like not only it was like lot lots of it was very very cute, uh-huh. but like third grade, my dad had died, and I was reading these poems and like realizing like oh this was how I was processing that grief. I was writing these very dark, very like intense poems. Yeah, that I mean not to like flex, but I was like very impressed with my poetic skill yeah. as a third grader. I was put <laughs> I was put in an accelerated writing program. Um, which, you know, destroyed me for life because now I think that, like, everything I do is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and when I don't get well, the proper... So. Thank you. I think you're really going to relate to Cabin 12 after this conversation. I can't wait. Um, but I would be very sad if I, like, didn't have the option to, like, go back and, like, look at that. I think, yeah. you, I think you followed some shitty advice. I did follow some shitty advice. And I... Yeah, it'd be fun to get a laugh out of. It'd be fun. There are, like, reading events now where you get up and read something yes. embarrassing, which I would love to do, but I, I don't really have anything. Those, yeah. I, I have some stuff, but it's, like, high school stuff. Right. But I look at, like, just my body of work, quote-unquote, <laughs> which includes things that I have destroyed, and, like, my gravity towards the, like, the bad boy type or that cowboy archetype or Thomas fucking O'Malley, for God's sake. Um... <laughs> And I realized, like, growing up, I lived in, like, a pretty conservative Christian home. Conservative in, I wouldn't say, like, politics, but in, like, body politics, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I remember growing up, like, I was never allowed to be alone in a car with a boy. Whoa. Um, I was not allowed to... I felt very... 
My mom's going to get sad if she listens to this. I don't think your mom is going to listen to it. I don't think she's it. going to either. Um, but I felt very, like, shamed every time I, like, had a crush. Hmm. Or embarrassed. I felt really embarrassed and... I hate being made fun of, even mm-hmm. to this day. I, I'm getting better at it, but I hate being made fun it's of. It's a very special does. type that likes yeah. being made fun of. And I think, like, my parents were like, oh, here's this fifth grader who, like, has a crush. How funny. Oh. Which, like, wasn't funny to me. It was the end-all be-all, and I was devastated. Mm-hmm. But lots of, you know, growing up Christian, lots of shame with your body and with sex and then they turn right around and they go, well, sex is amazing and God made it because it's fun, but don't do it because you will die. Oh, my God. Yeah. And going to, like, Christian summer camp, we were body shamed by the counselors. Oh, like, God. Um, girls couldn't wear two-piece bathing suits. I remember we got held back. All the girls got held back um, from a sermon one like, the opening night. And all the boys got to have, like, an hour of free time because they were talking to us about, like, our bodies and showing them off and what's appropriate to wear and what's appropriate to not wear. And I remember them saying, like, no one wants to see your love handles. <gasps> to a room of, like, 12-year-olds. Jesus. Yeah. And, and that, like, I had so much fun at those camps, but that is something that I cannot forget. No, of course not. Said. That is drilled into your brain. Yeah. You never forget that. And I remember one year I went with a big group of girls and we met a big group of boys from a different church. Uh-oh. And they were all super fun and funny and cute and nice and... We got in trouble for hanging out with them. How dare you? Which is like, we're at camp with a bunch of other young Christian people. Don't you want us to make friends? But since it was boys, we got in trouble. And my mom has always been like, no sex until you get married. Which is something that I was super into. No sex until you got married. It's like part of the reasons why I love the Jonas Brothers so much. Because they were going to do that too. Um, (laughs) Which they clearly didn't follow through with. I was going to (laughs) say. But I think that like, I felt very separate from it I felt mm-hmm. very afraid of sexuality and sexy things mm-hmm. which in a lot of ways I still am afraid of sexy things <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I felt very like it was being kept from me and I felt very much like afraid of it because if it was being kept from me it must be really scary yeah which I think made those weird explorations of it in my fiction where like I could control it yes and everybody had nice intentions mm-hmm. and and there was no fear, but I will say that, like, even the things I wrote that had sex in it, like, sex was a, a bad thing that they were doing. Like, huh. it was a, it wasn't allowed. It was, like, the boss having sex with the subordinate Uh-oh. sort of thing. And, like, the characters would get punished for it. Oh, interesting. So, like, writing it would be, like, a super fun thing that they were doing and everyone felt great and it was awesome but they but the characters there was always punishment punished for it in some way or another well listening to all this it's no surprise that thomas o'malley really did it for you because it sounds like you were in an environment that was super controlled there was so many rules and restrictions yeah so here comes the bad boy the lawlessness of it all yeah that all makes sense and of course thomas o'malley did it for you. I mean, look at him. How could you know? How that? could you know? He's a little pinky with the flowers. Get out of here. I always felt like the little goose ladies in that movie. Like the three little geese. That was you. Yeah, who were like so flirty with him. They love him. And I was that. I was one of those goose ladies. My God. Well, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure and a delight. Do you have anything to plug before we yes. sign off? Um, listen to my podcast. Yes, you have a podcast. It's called The Saddest Case of Celibacy in the West. It's a brand new limited series podcast about my month-long 
road trip where I went and visited 15 Wild West ghost towns um, in the hopes that my um, cowboy character would come and take me away, in the words of the Dixie Chicks. Um, <laughs> and it premieres on May 7th on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And it's going to be good, and people should listen to it. Fantastic. So if you want to hear more about my uh, philosophy about love, you should listen to it. That's the place to go. Yeah. Well, these two podcasts seem to hold hand in hand. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to go taste some wine now. Yes, I can't wait. Have a good day, listeners. Bye. Bye. Well, that did it for me. Hope it did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For You is created by Aurelia Grierson, edited by Aurelia Grierson with the understanding that I am not technologically savvy, with visual designs by Margaret Chambers. You can't follow me on Twitter because I'm hiding from my job, and my Instagram is personal but searchable. Tune in next time.